Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Lovicast, the Chago Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we'll bring you latest insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. Now, we're joined in this week's episode by Dr. James O'Shaughnessy from the Department of Agriculture's Central Veterinary Research Laboratory in Back Western to discuss nematiris disease in lambs. We start off with James discussing how it affects the lambs and the symptoms to watch out for. James also discusses the limitations of faecal egg counts for this condition. With the recent release of this year's nematiris forecast, James explains how to use this information and how prevailing weather conditions can affect this from year to year. We move on to discuss treatment options with James offering some insight on the choice and timing of treatment. We also discuss the risk of concurrent infection with coccidiosis and how to approach this at farm level. Madiris can cause severe damage to young lambs. James advocates making use of the region veterinary laboratories where sudden analysis occurred to confirm the cause. We finish up with James highlighting the importance of correct dosing technique when treating for nematiris. We start off, however, with James describing the life cycle of nematiris and how it differs from other stomach worms. Nematiris is, I suppose, it's a severe parasitic disease of lambs in the age category of 6 to 12 weeks of age. Um, lambs become infected by ingesting large amounts of infective larvae that they get from grazing on contaminated pasture. Um, a thing to say with the Mahadiris is it's different to a lot of the other roundworms in that um, eggs deposited on pasture generally don't hatch uh, until the following year. Um, so this, this is typically a mass hatching event um, where soil temperatures would increase after a prolonged period of cold weather. And as a result, then ordinarily you'll see disease occurring in April, uh, May and June. And it's really hitting lambs at that peak season. As you indicated there, it's a carryover from previous years. Very few farms, gyms out there, particularly in more intensive sheep farms, very few of them will have clean ground from year to year. So it, it's endemic on most sheep farms. Yeah, I mean, it's also in an ideal world, you'd say move, you know, Adam, lambs or sheep onto clean pasture. But as, as you say, that's just not, it's, it's not a runner on the vast, vast majority of farms. Unless there was... Say for example, a change of enterprise, but you know it's not it's not realistic yet. James, like, what are the typical symptoms we're looking for with this condition? Um, I suppose when lambs get get get, get badly affected with it, you see, you know, profuse diarrhea, you get dehydration. So basically, lambs and obviously weight loss as well. So if you get an outbreak, a situation where a lot of lambs are affected, um, you know, you literally see lambs are standing around water trucks, um purely due to the the thirst that develops um you don't you won't you, you know you're not you won't you won't see any any effect on 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 the adult sheep but certainly with lambs diarrhea is is your is your main clinical finding jim like it's it's quite a severe condition and i suppose unlike later in the year when we're talking more about some of the other stomach worms fecal egg counts and that aren't really of any use for us here because it, it hits very early and hits quite severe yeah, two things with the use of faecal egg counts for the Mahadiris. Um, One is they're not much use, and two they're not much use. So what I, I suppose what I mean by that is a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the effect that the parasite has on the lamb is done in the stage before they start shedding eggs. So it's done by the larval stages mainly. Um, so at that that particular point, they aren't the the larvae or the sorry the roundworm itself. In the, in the intestine lamb isn't mature enough. So, ha, you know, you're not producing, uh, aren't, they aren't producing eggs at that stage. Now, obviously you can get, get a mixed 
population of adult worms and uh, the juvenile stages in the same lamb, and you will get you will get egg counts. But even even with that, um, the adult worm itself is not it doesn't produce a lot of eggs in comparison to say other roundworms. So fecal egg counts will generally be quite low, or even in cases you may not see any eggs in the fecal sample purely because the only stage present in the lamb is uh, the pre-adult stage. So, uh, you know, I would advise that it's, you know, farmers shouldn't be waiting around to get these elevated, very high egg counts because, you know, you can get a lot of damage done long before that happens in a group of lambs. And a lot of that damage is going to be persistent for the rest of the year afterwards. Like you're damaging the gut that you're going to require. Like James, you, the symptoms obviously are one key thing. Given that life cycle, to an extent you're able to predict when the peak hatch will occur and when the high risk periods are. And I know that's something that's just been released in the previous week. Could you just explain to us how is that worked out and what's its relevance? Firstly, it's important that we recognise that the data we get for producing the producing the forecast comes directly from Metairn. Um, so basically Metairn have a formula for predicting, um, I suppose, the peak egg hatch on, on pasture, which releases these infective larvae. Um, so they look at the mean soil temperature for March at a depth of 10 centimetres. And then from using that formula, they'll calculate um, how many days typically into April, but it, it, can, it can actually occur towards the end of March when there's this peak, um, we get this peak hatch of eggs releasing all these infective larvae onto pasture at the one time. So as you indicated, like there will be obviously there's going to be some variation even regionally in when that occurs, but that is when the peak challenge occurs. And of course, that will it'll change from year to year depending on conditions. This year, given the fact we had a warmer March, that picture in the country seems to have occurred slightly earlier this year, James. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. I mean, I suppose like there the the data coming from here and is based on. You know, with the weather stations taken right, you know, right throughout. I think there's twenty odd, twenty three weather stations right throughout the country. Um, so there, that's that's peak egg hatch at those particular locations, and 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 they, you know, the the data they'll produce, they'll give a date when expected peak hatch will occur. Now, obviously, you can get disease occurring before that. Um, it's purely dependent on the burden of eggs that ultimately hatch out on pasture. So. While the, the forecast is, is an excellent tool to use, I mean, people should always be on the lookout for, for signs of disease in lambs or, you know, if, if they happen to have faecal samples sent to the lab. I know, given what I said earlier about faecal outcomes, you know, if they have found... From all Yeah, if they have found the Mahatirus eggs in, in lambs that are exhibiting, you know, signs of diarrhea at this point in time, well, it's just strongly, strongly consider treatment for them at virus. But certainly, certainly the, the forecast itself predicts the peak catch when you expect to see the greatest exposure um, to the mat virus by, by grazing lambs. We'll go back to where we started with this. Like a lot of that is hitting lambs at five, six, seven week age period. Lambs at that stage are consuming grass. That's how they're picking up the infection. So that for most of our mid-season flocks, lambing in March, that's kind of a corn roundabout now. If we talk about treatment, James, what are the treatment options for this? Like there are several classes of wormers that you can use, but given what's known now about the level of resistance to different classes of wormers, 
the only class uh, that we would recommend to use as a treatment are the white drenches. Um, now, the reasons for that are as follows. Firstly, to date, there are very, very few reports of resistance uh, by nematodires to the white drenches. So the white drenches are extremely effective at treating nematodires. Sec- secondly, at this part, of the, I suppose, the early in the grazing season, um, you don't want to expose you know, your other, maybe more effective drugs, like your, your ivermectin-type products or your, your white drenches or your, or your yellow drenches um, to worms that you know, they will be exposed getting later in the grazing season. So you're, you're basically using the drug that's, it's, 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 it's really a narrow spectrum treatment. So you're treating with the drug that's really effective um, and, and preserving the effectiveness of the other classes of drugs when you don't really need to be treating for things like Tedder Sage or Trichostrongylus at this very moment in time. So you're, it's a very, it's, the, the treatment is just directed really at uh, the Mahadars. And you're saving others for later. James, a lot of times when we look at this, we'll have some lambs born earlier, we have different groups and we have tail end lambs joining them. There's little no there is no persistence for any of these products. So is there a case to go back in and treat some of them younger lambs at a later point? Is it possible that they don't have the same level of burden or may need treatment at a later date within a group? Yeah. Well, I suppose you know that you know we talk here we talk about that six to twelve week age bracket. Um, you know, if you start talking about we'll say triplet lambs or you know, lambs born to yours with little or no milk that are forced to eat grass earlier than they normally would. You know, they for a start would be at a greater risk. Now, as you said, as you said there, with, with say if you use your white trench, there's no persistence with the product. So, given that, the, say from the time a lamb picks up um, larvae off pasture to the time it develops into an egg laying adult, like the the, the the life cycle is is probably it's about 14, 15 days plus uh, before they start producing eggs. So, basically if you treat it and the product doesn't persist in the system, which we know it doesn't, you realistically would have to go back in with another treatment two weeks later. Um, it's not like you're using, say, for example, you know, products and cattle where a lot of them have a persistence. In, in the case of the Mahatires, they don't. So yeah, you would have to go back in two weeks later on average with a second treatment, depending on, 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 on the risk. Very careful, just to watch that window. James, I'm just thinking like at that age, I'm probably slightly gone by it, but another concern would be coccidiosis. Sometimes the two of them could occur together. Differentiate between the two of them at that age, do you treat for the matavirus first and wait for it to clear up or what's your recommendations if that's an issue on your farm? Yeah, it's it's tricky. Um, without doubt, you can get both together. Um, and the thing, I suppose, which makes it difficult is um, on occasion, you assume it to be an amatidirus, um, and you treat for it, and there's no response to treatment. In that case, it's highly likely that you are dealing with a case of coccidiosis, um, because as, as we said before, the amatidirus, we can kind of r- r- reasonably predict when you can expect to see peak hatch. So the, the map will tell you. So, for example, on such such a day at that weather station, you're going to have in that area, you're going to have peak hatch of infected larvae. So approximately two weeks, two and a half weeks later, you can expect to see disease in untreated lambs. So we're going in with a treatment, you know, two weeks later, advising two treatment two weeks later with a benzaminazole or a white trench. Um, if you get a case, of, you know, where there's no response to treatment, you can 
strongly consider that coccidiosis is a likely cause in that case. So you, you, the two of them kind of occur together. Now, the thing to remember is with both of these, I've said earlier that with the Mahadires, firstly, very few eggs can potentially be produced. Secondly, disease can occur before they start producing eggs. Now, coccidiosis is a protozoan. It's, it's, it's different, but the life cycle is dusted as well. You can also get quite severe damage done before the, the, this, the coccidia are starting to appear in a fecal sample. So you can get a fecal sample sent to the lab where there's little or no evidence of coccidiosis, but the lamb can be affected by coccidiosis. So the one thing I'd strongly recommend is if you're sampling one lamb in a group, you know, don't sample, you know, if you've 20 lambs in a group, don't just sample the one lamb that's got a blood scour or it's got the diarrhea. Sample multiple lambs within the group because by doing that, they won't all be at the exact uh, life cycle stage. So you'll have some lambs, lambs shedding Mahadire's eggs, some won't be, but also with coccidia as well. You have some that will be producing lots of oozes, some less so. But by sampling a number of animals in the group, it'll give you a far more accurate picture of exactly what's happening. It can be tricky depending on the individual farm situation. James, like we'll see some loss in lambs as well at the moment. I'm assuming some of that could be due to parasites. Aside from sending the samples, is there any other way of getting a diagnosis of what caused that? Yeah, uh, it's it, it, it's. I would strongly recommend that, like, say, any lambs that die unexpectedly, um, that that they're referred by your PVP or your private veterinary practitioner to to your local uh, regional veterinary laboratory, um, because. It, it's a great way to you know to follow up if if there's essentially if there's unexplained mortalities occurring in the farm, um, shouldn't always assume it's due to coccidiosis or anemahadires. Uh, it could be due to something else. So it's important to always follow up in cases um, where you don't really understand or the PVP is not sure what's going on. Just my advice would be to always submit to submit a carcass for, for post mortem. And it could be a combination of things, but look at that services there. It should be used. Yeah. James, like it's the first dose for many of the grazing season. The importance of good dose and practice, correct technique, it can't be underestimated for the, to get the FXC of these products and effectively treat the lambs. Yeah, it's it's and it's important. Like the firstly, due, due care is given when the when the dose is being given, and that you're not running run the risk of a of a dose and gun injury. And secondly, it's important that lambs are treated according to their live weight. Because, uh, Karen, as you well know, with uh, all, all the reports of worm resistance or treatment failures, whether it's cattle or sheep or whatever, a lot of it comes back to people underdosing cattle or sheep. So they're, they're, not, they're not given you know, enough of the product for, for the live weighted animals. So it's important that there's good, accurate um, live weight. You know, people know exactly what live weight the lamb is. Um, and then the product's given accordingly, which with, with due care, because you know there, there's also reports too of you know in lambs where you can't you know your small lambs you get you know with dosing gun in, dosing gun injuries most certainly can occur. Definitely something you want to avoid, James. It was great having you on today. Really appreciate you giving up your time and giving us that update. Thanks very much. You're very welcome, Karen. We're going to have to leave it there for this episode. Again, it's one of those conditions that need very prompt and timely treatment. I have included a link to this year's 2022 Nomad Virus forecast in the description of this podcast. It's well worth having a look at. Again, it highlights the regional differences as well as some very useful advice on the condition. 
That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chargo Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and get notified of any new episodes.